This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, Dreamers, and welcome to episode 134 of the Dreamers Disease podcast with me, Alex Manzi. And after going through my own battles with depression and anxiety, I basically wanted to create a platform for you to join me on this journey of becoming richer in mind, body, and soul. And whether that is a discussion about everyday struggles, hearing the story of an inspirational guest or some of my own personal experiences we aim to inspire you to start making a positive change in your life and on this week's episode i am joined by jada cesar who is a plus-size model an activist and also has an ma in child psychology which is amazing so it was such a huge pleasure to sit down and chat with her for this episode and we had a really really deep amazing conversation she's full of life she's so bubbly and we were, we were talking for about half an hour before we even hit record and there were so many things that we were discussing and I was just like, oh, part of me is always like, oh man, I wish I pressed record a bit earlier. There was so much stuff that we were talking about that was so cool. But then I'm like, no, nah, actually, do you know what? I know that when we're, we're going to hit record, if we've already been talking like that, that the recording's going to be amazing. And it was, it didn't disappoint. During this conversation, we spoke about how to be confident, finding value in the process and the journey, why we shouldn't look at health as just a physical thing, dealing with overthinking and much much more but before we jump in i just want to thank you for being here thank you for listening do make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest releases of the podcast but right now let's jump straight in and hear from jada so hello and welcome jada how are you doing hi good thanks how yeah. are you i am very well even though we've already been speaking for a long time i know, I know like now well. we're getting all formal <laughs> yeah this is the funny thing it's like i always have a really informal conversation off mic before recording mm. and then the second you hit record it goes straight into like a formal interview style conversation well like, I've, I've got a cup of tea in my hand and i'm feeling really cozy so we'll just carry straight yeah. right on fantastic <laughs> um so to, to kick us off though can you just let the people who are listening know a bit about who you are and what you do Okay, so I am a plus size model, a content creator and an activist that talks predominantly about mental health and self-esteem, mm. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And where are you at in your life with all of them? Um, right now I'm feeling quite tired. I'm ready to wrap up for Christmas. Um, where I'm at with all of it is I've been modeling in the industry for over eight years I'm kind of transitioning out of that period of being like one of the first plus size models in the UK to now just kind of feeling like I've done my work in that space. Mm. I never really got into it to be a model anyway. I kind of fell into it accidentally because I was doing a master's in child psychotherapy and campaigning online for body diversity and then was picked up to be um, a part of I always, I'm going to reel it off a list because I feel like I say it on a lot of podcasts and want to add value to this one. But it was basically, I was asked to be the face of the first ever plus size show during London Fashion Week. And then I was scouted by a modeling agent and then I fell into that and Mm. my modeling career took off. But I'm kind of coming to the end of that chapter now for me personally. I create a lot of content, Mm. which is similar but different to what I felt that the fashion industry did for my career. So to elaborate, when I was one of the first models that were a size 16 to use on ASOS that content that they created was really new interesting inspiring yeah and evocative for other women that had a similar body type and could see themselves reflected in those platforms and now I've sort of built up my own platform I'm kind of like I love the platforms that brands can give me but I can control that now yeah and so therefore I'm not stuck with this glass ceiling of just waiting on brands to say yeah okay we'll tick you off that's a good idea yeah. you can break your own ceiling and we 
I mean, I don't even believe there's a glass ceiling with what you can do when you have access to a mobile phone and the internet. Yeah, exactly. And, and we all do, right? And yeah. it's crazy. And I think like, even though what you just said is like, you, you, you feel like you're coming to the end of that modeling chapter. I know recently you were on the cover of Women's Health, right? Which mm. to me, it seems wild in so many ways. A, because I think it's fantastic that they have someone like you who looks like you Mm. on the cover of such a you know women's health above above yeah. whereas like you know if you went back even two three years ago mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been a thing it would have been like a skinny person who yeah. doesn't look healthy and they're trying to force an image but I feel like you've done this amazing work in like changing that narrative which needed yeah. <laughs> needed to happen let's be honest yeah. right yeah, because I think like we've been sold this idea that fitness looks like being ripped with a six pack and being extremely muscular. Mm. And, you know, some people are and some people are healthy being like that, but some people are extremely unhealthy yeah. trying to attain that. And, you know, some people are thin, but inside they eat a lot of junk food and aren't healthy. I think we're clocking on that. That's, yeah, exactly. That can be the case with the more kind of health conversation and dialogue we're having because of, I guess, the different forums and access to information we have and just seeing different people online we're mm. able to see that health can look differently on everybody yeah. and I think for me running the marathon was a testament to proving that health can yeah. look different on everybody like I trained um for a long time for that and I've always been into fitness before but never took on anything that extreme and so running the marathon and getting to the end I guess prove to a lot of other people that maybe wouldn't have seen somebody yeah. that looked like me as a marathon runner believe that they could run too exactly and I think it's like we look at health as a physical thing and it's like it's not like that's one mm. part of it there's mm. like mental health you know there's emotional health mm. there's spiritual health agreed, yeah. physical health like it's yeah health isn't just one thing and I think we've we've yeah. fortunately like I said the narrative's changing right but we've always led to believe that health is the way you look yeah, and absolutely. the way you look impacts the way you feel and your emotions and but it's not it's all yeah. in sync with each other yeah definitely interlinked I think that's what Claire Sanderson who's the editor of Women's Health magazine has started to incorporate because mm. she spoke about mental health in the magazine when she was given that job title and incorporated mental health really slowly into women's health mm. and it's quite a new angle and I think for her, I can't speak on her behalf, but I think at first she said it wasn't something that they were used to. Um, but, and I was a part of that journey from three years ago and was a part of her mental health um, campaign that she made that was talking about people's experiences in life and how they got through it, which, you know, if you go to Women's Health magazine, you wouldn't have expected that yeah, then. Exactly. And so now being on the cover of it, I think three years on from building that first initial relationship was definitely an example of Claire's incredible direction for the magazine yeah. to take, which was not only the fact that like I can be healthy and not look like a runner, but also I talk about mental health so openly about like nurturing that side of your being so that you don't, so that you're just staying focused and you're staying present with yourself mm. rather than just being in like, this rut of like, what are you, why are you aspiring to look like that? Like, what's the purpose? Is it to be healthy or is it to fit into this like idolized average, um, unattainable goal of beauty for many yeah, of us? Yeah. And it's like, it's all individual, isn't it? And it's like, we, we, I find that even my journey is like, you, when you find yourself at your most unhappy mm. is when you're trying to place your happiness in something else. Like yeah. if I look like that, I'll be happy. If I had 
this job I earned this money I'll be happy if I had this person as a partner I you know you yeah. kind of build up this picture of how you would be to be happy but it's like actually if you reel that back in like you can be happy now yeah. if you just have that belief yeah. and confidence and love yourself and yeah. do you know what I mean and it's like we fall into this trap and it's great that things like women's health are kind of trying to yeah. change that dynamic back to actually just love yourself yeah. like you don't have to look like anyone you don't have to be like anyone you don't have to see someone on social media who has like you know implants in their lips mm. to, to to be pretty mm. do you know what i mean there's, there's just so many factors and it's yeah. just like just be happy for yourself because always you i always say if you constantly are shifting you're yeah. going to be constantly chasing beauty exactly exactly and that for me is i just don't want to be trapped yeah. in that rat race of this beauty ideal constantly changing because it is phases and everything has its time exactly we had the heroin chic back yeah. you know 20 years ago 10 years ago and then pendulum swayed to now like curves are in and people are getting, you know, fat transfers to their ass and mm. all of that. And, you know, it's going to sway back again, I'm sure at some point. And for me, I've tr I used to like all of my pocket money, all of my first ever jobs went into traveling. Yeah. So I traveled the world and saw so many different types of beauty that when I kind of would be in these spaces where people would value a certain look in the UK, I just couldn't get my head around it because I think that's not, that's going to change depending yeah. on what culture you're in. It's wild. It's just like, it's, it is, it's like a, it's trends, isn't it? That's all yeah. it is. And it's like now, you know, you say curves are in, for example, right? So all the girls who spent every day of their life trying to look like the skinny model on the front of the magazine, what are they doing now? Now they're panicking because they don't look like, yeah. you know, and it's, the Kardashians or whatever. And you can't put your, your self-worth into your appearance exactly. because that's so fickle. Exactly. And this is what I say to my nieces all the time. I'm like, that can just be crushed by somebody going, oh, but you're too skinny or you're too this yeah, or you're too that. Exactly. And all of your self-worth can just be stripped and taken away exactly. by someone's comment. Yeah. But if you are the best skateboarder or you are into podcasts and you yeah. just create a sick podcast on conversations you enjoy or you're an artist and you create work that you love and people are recognizing it your particular style yeah. no one can take that away from you because exactly. that's your unique individualism that yeah. you've been able to just really nurture and nourish and that's so much more fulfilling than being able to just be the prettiest girl in the room exactly and that's all face value right i was literally having this conversation yesterday with we talked it was around dating and the conversation came up because I, I I asked a question to it was me two guys and a girl and I asked a question have you ever gone on a on a first date and not dressed up for it mm. and they were like oh no don't think that and I was like why because at the end of the day what you dress up for the date you 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 put your best clothes on your best shoes your nice jacket you do your hair all nice and a it's not how you look day to day and b it's just for what for that first five seconds of interaction mm. so the person can see you and go oh you look great but then once you get beyond that it's about who you are underneath it mm. and it's about that's more valuable so it's like it I, I was saying like why can't you turn up on the first date in your torn jeans your mm. converse like no your hair makeup. not necessarily done no makeup yeah. like how you would be with your mates because we just have this like preconceived notion and make assumptions and judgments within the first three seconds of meeting someone and if you come yeah. unpresentable then people just assume that you're messy or assume that you're you know you don't care about the way you look or have no pride in your appearance or or rough yeah and I love 
you know, so people that might look at me might think she's unfit or girls that are, you know, or people that are curvier, a large that have fat on their body might not go to the gym. Therefore they're lazy and sit on the sofa Mm. every day and they don't care. Like you have this preconceived notion of somebody's whole entire life based on one moment of meeting them. And for me, I love being able to kind of flip that on its head and change people's assumptions because these are just ingrained ideas Mm. that, you know, is prejudiced and it's trying to unpick that and tell you and show you different examples of what, of what people can be. Yeah. And that's, I think that's just more interesting because those are so short lived. Like I sit down with my boyfriend, I'm like, babe, three days you're going to see me in literally like my loungewear, like gym kit on the sofa, no makeup, no, like I haven't brushed my hair. And that's okay. As well as the moments you'll see me come off a red carpet yeah. with like full glam and you know, I love being able to be the full spectrum of all of those things and still feel yeah. the same. Like I don't feel more confident in my gym kit than I do on the red carpet or, or vice versa. Yeah. I'm still who I am in all those spaces. And I never want to be reliant upon um, makeup to make me feel good Yeah. or like a sexy dress or yeah. any of that stuff. Like I just want to be free from all that crap. Yeah. I'm totally in that phase at the minute. I'm just so like unbothered about how I appear. Like I wear the same clothes all the time. Like my Converse are over there. They're bashed up. They got holes in them. I'm just like, I don't care. Like I'm like, I really don't care. Spent on things that are more valuable. Like you're going traveling. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, those experiences are what money should really be placed in. It's like, what is your currency worth and what is it converting to? Because there's so much money in where you place your money. Mm. And buying things and having these like for me I was like I'm not I could have all the handbags I want but I was like I want to invest in a property that's mm. my thing mm. handbags can come later it doesn't make sense for me to drive a flashy car yeah and one that's going to depreciate in value and handbags are going to go out of fashion for me personally if I haven't got some solid foundation exactly and so it's I guess it's just like kind of I guess thinking about what are you even spending your money on yeah exactly yeah what does yeah. it mean is is so it's just I like like so for me I'm like okay I'm gonna this year I've been like right I'm investing my money in my health mm. so I put I put a pot of money aside and I said right every two weeks I'm gonna go to see my physio regularly sometimes I go there and I'm like oh mate you need to sort my back out oh mate you need, my knee's killing me oh mate my shoulder some weeks he's like okay what are we working on? I'm like do you know what just feeling all right but just loosen me up here that like just maintenance mm. and that was one of the things was like cool I want to put more money into that this year because it's going to benefit me I'm not yeah. doing it for anyone else I'm not doing it for any um materialistic reason I'm mm. doing it because I, I wanted it to feel good in, within mm. myself and I was having the same conversation with my friend uh, at a birthday on the weekend we were talking about I don't even know how we got in the conversation but we were talking about supplements that we take so like vitamins and stuff and he was like I take like, he said he takes 10 to 20 different supplements a day from multivitamins to to vitamin D to cod liver oil to CBD drops to all this stuff. And I was like, wow. And then we started talking. I was quizzing him about the CBD thing because I want to start looking into it for myself because I need, like my body needs to relax at night. Like my muscles get tense during the night. So if you take CBD, it helps you relax and it's natural. Anyway, that side so I was like oh looking into it there and then like oh what one have you bought and I looked at the price of it and it was like 70 pound a bottle and I was like oh straight away in my head I I, I, I recognised myself going oh that's a lot of money isn't it 
And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, but like, it's for your health. Like that's going to mm-hmm. last you three to four months, that one bottle. Mm. And I was like, it's true, isn't it? It's like, I'm not questioning going to the bar and buying a round for 70 quid. Not that mm. I did. But like, you wouldn't question that. If yeah. you bought six drinks and it came to 70 quid, you'd be like, oh yeah, cool. You, you just pay it. But when it's something that's, that seems like you're not getting an instantaneous mm. thing out of it, mm. you question it more and you're like, oh, I don't want to spend 70 quid on that. Yeah. But I did, I did in the end, which is good. You did. Yeah. I, I, got, I got, you do your research. I got though, the, ca- right? yeah, I, got, I did my, I got the capsules in the end. Okay. But I was like, it was, in, I just thought that was a really interesting thing where I was like, I was almost like reluctant to spend that money on something which is ultimately going to benefit my life mm. versus you'd go to a shop and you'd pick up a jacket for 70 quid and you, you would, yeah, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. You wouldn't question it. You just. Because you kind of, I guess you become desensitized to what things are, like the cost of things. Yeah. So the cost of, yeah, a new pair of trainers or like a new dress that you'd probably buy every week. Well, not probably, hopefully not. Yeah. But some people would buy every weekend for that night out. But then spending that money on maybe getting a taxi home and being safe is like, oh no, I'll just get the bus. Yeah. But I guess it's individualist. It's individualistic depending on what your priorities are. Mm, exactly. I think sometimes we have to question our own priorities as well. Yeah, like in that instance yeah. there, I questioned myself on it. Yeah. I was like, why? Why am I feeling reluctant about that price when? Yeah. Not again. Not recently. I haven't really bought stuff, but like you'd go to a shop and you'd spend the same money mm. on a pair of jeans or a jacket, and you'd be you yeah, because they make you look good. That. And you know I, I stopped that. I stopped that because I'm again. I'm like, this is just spending money for trends and seasons. I really love, like back in the day, they would buy a piece of clothing that would be tailored to their body. Yeah, that would last for years, and that's the kind of fashion I like. Like basics that are wardrobe staples that you can just wear in. I like that worn in, like leather jacket yeah. feel that you love. Yeah. And you can't, at the end of the day, you can't buy style. You can buy fashion, but the way someone wears it, you exactly. can't pay for that kind of well you can buy you can pay for a stylist Stylist, but you that's individual to you and again i just love being able to express yourself in these different formats whether it be through art or it's through fashion Mm. and it's you it's it's not you looking at um the latest catwalk and being like i'm gonna wear exactly what that model's worn yeah exactly. someone else's idea of what's fashion was you kind of create you have your own style emulated through the clothes that you wear yeah i think it's about feeding your soul isn't it like i mm. that's why i love traveling is because like every time i go away i feel like i'm feeding a new bit of my soul mm. through a, a new experience and meeting new people and like just being in a different environment seeing a different culture mm. talking to people from a different culture do you know what yeah. i mean it's just you you take in different parts of it and you just that that goes into you and then you can express that in a different way or you take little bits on from mm. you know a different place or otherwise you're stifled to your little paradigm mm. that you've been brought up in with the ideas from your family or your religion or your culture or your subculture social group instead of I guess for me, I get the same fix from traveling as well. I kind of am forced to step out of my comfort zone Mm. of what I think I know my world and reality to be and then getting a whole different perspective and being like, oh, okay, they're sort of completely different, but we've got that similarity. So I just got back from Sierra Leone with Save the Children and I was working with a lot of young girls through like teenage pregnancy who had either given birth or had lost a child um, they were only 15, 16 children wow. themselves. Yeah. And there's a massive stigma and taboo about early age pregnancy in Sierra Leone. So they were kicked out or shunned from their community, some of them living in the streets and having to give birth in like the worst conditions. And 
you know, lack of access to contraception or um, education around contraception is such a big thing. Mm. And, you know, you feel, for me, I felt like it was so far away. You know, I was all the way in Africa and feeling it was so different from my current life in London. But yet that's such a human, real human experience of, you know, feeling alone and lonely, feeling like having to tap into that inner strength and resilience of what am I going to do when I'm, I've got no so, like support network around me. Yeah. Like, these are real human experiences yeah. that I think are reminders of like a universal feeling we all feel when you do go traveling Yeah, and you are for me, you know, pleasantly surprised that we all feel the same thing um, as well as eating all the good other food and yeah. different cuisines that traveling can yeah. expose you to. Exactly. And it's like, I, I always take away from it like, little cultured things for a start that you pick up so i was in japan earlier um it's my favorite in, place in the world yeah and you just pick up little things like the way they're respectful about everything mm. you know or you just take your shoes off every time you walk into a building or just little things that you pick up and you're like oh, i really like yeah. that and you take note and you might implement it in your life yeah. or even you go to places that have a lot less in terms of like materialistic things mm. that poorer countries but you look at the people and they're yeah, happy and they, yeah. they love life. And it's like, and they don't have any of the, you know, like bullshit stuff that we have. Or the burdens that yeah. we think we should have. Exactly. And they're quite happy. I, I love Japan. And I spent my birthday in March in Japan, traveling with my friend Tiana. So, so you know. Friend, yeah. yeah. And we went through, we was in Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, Naoshima. Yeah. We did it all. But what I love about Japan is, and what I felt, was that sense of safety. You mm. literally could put your bag down anywhere. You know, this, it has been rated and ranked as one of the safest places in the world. Yeah. And people just out of that kind of deep rooted ingrained sense of honor, won't touch it. Yeah. Because it's a shame on the family. And so you feel safe. People, from my experience, were extremely helpful. Yeah. Would go above and beyond, even if they can't speak even your language, they, or if, even if they don't even know the answer, yeah, they'll yeah. figure it out with you. Your problem is their problem, and the sense of just being able to relax. I remember I came back to London and was like, went on the tube. I was like, shit, I need to like quickly. I felt myself tense up again. Yeah. Like, have to watch my bag. Who's following me? Like, getting, yeah. you know, that's our social norm. Whereas when I was in Japan. I didn't have that. So imagine living your life with that sense of relaxation and safety, what that can do for like your development and mm. like the way that you feel about life. Yeah. How do you like coming from a kind of psychology background in a way, cause you've got a master's right in mm. child psychology and that. Mm. How do you approach things like that? Do you, is there like a level of like, I don't know, recognizing the difference in, the psychology of cultures as well to like mm. you know does that does that also play a part for you in terms of like traveling do you do you have an element of yeah like looking at things in a in a in a different way as well I guess so I studied sociology when I was doing my a-levels as well as psychology mm, and I did really well in it and I, I just love <laughs> I, really didn't. I didn't do that good in psychology but I, I just love um, I love people. I love people's yeah. stories. I love hearing yeah. people's truths because you could see the same sky and see it so differently or see the same white wall and interpret it differently. And it's from your opinion of the way you see the world. Hence mm. why some people can view a situation and be extremely depressed about it. And others could see it as, you know, a lesson, an opportunity. Yeah. So I think for me, traveling kind of taps into that curiosity for cultures and people 
because I just don't feel like I ever want to be restricted to and confined to my experience of life mm. now I think I got that from my dad my dad was Turkish my mum's Spanish but born in the UK so I'm very much British but I was exposed to his kind of side of his yeah I guess the Turkish culture but also he was very philosophical and would talk about other cultures as well um, and other religions so for me I was always kind of like there's more than just what's in front of you mm. and I think that's what traveling gives me a, a reassurance that yeah that is how they do it and that appreciation for different people's like we eat with a knife and fork in japan you'll eat with chopsticks yeah. go to africa you'll eat with your hands and i love all of the mix of that yeah and can appreciate it all as well yeah yeah i think it's amazing like that it's just there's this thing about traveling it just unlocks something within you and again everyone can take individual things from it mm. and it but, gives you a sense of confidence as well yeah. if you go solo traveling yeah which is one of the best things to do i think for for your soul and for your mind um and just for your sense of self because when you get on a flight <laughs> and you end up in a country that you've never been to before and you are able to leave that country safe without mm. losing anything and still intact you get back and you're like wow i did that yeah you have to take charge you've got to take charge mm. and you have to be responsible for all your decisions you're responsible for everywhere you want to go on your time which is really empowering i think and we don't often give ourselves credit for what we're capable of mm. so i quite like the idea of you know solo traveling could be therapy for some people yeah that's definitely like my list of traveling stuff is like a solo travel 2020 because i'm gonna do yeah, I've got like plans to do various bits of traveling, but I want to do one solo travel at least mm. just to kind of like experience it. And there's just, there just feels like there's so much growth opportunity in it mm. to not do it. So. Yeah, you have to do it. And because I think for me, when, as I've gotten older and like, you know, you can step into relation, like when I step into, when I have stepped into relationships and you become more of a unit, mm. it's easy to fall into the habit of like, you know, you're, you're, you're helping out each other, but it's nice to know that I can also do this on my own because I've done it for so many yeah. years that I choose to be in a relationship and work together in a partnership, but I also have the reassurance because of past experience yep. to be independent. And I think that's one of the kind of benefits of solo traveling mm. as well you learn, i guess you learn a lot about yourself don't you like mm. i said you're, you're you're thrown into a environment you don't know with people you don't know you have to kind of think for yourself mm. do for yourself like you have no choice you have no one to lean on mm. even if you do meet i guess like a group of other people who are traveling like in three days they might have moved on and you're you know you then have to put yourself out there towards another group or you know you still you have to take mm. that charge yourself, innit? Yeah, and risk of... assess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's sick. I enjoy it. Mm, I'm definitely... definitely go and do some solo travel. I will, 100%. Like, this is a guarantee. Um, and what about your, like, journey with, like, your body confidence and stuff? How's mm. that been? Because obviously you're in a position where you're, like, the face of, like, almost, like, body positivity and body confidence and, and you know, you're very comfortable within yourself. But has it always been that way for you or did mm. you have a period of time before that where you looked at yourself differently or mm. thought about yourself differently I think it's had its peaks and troughs like most things I don't think confidence is a thing that I always say it's not a fixed noun that you'll get to if you put in all the work I think no matter how much 
work is not an end destination. You're going to have great confidence and then it's going to go down then it'll go back up and go down and go back up. And that's okay too. Um, I think I grew up being com- body confident because I didn't place much importance on my body. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't think about my body because my dad would enroll me into lots of hobbies like playing the violin and yeah. swimming. And so I was active and my value was placed on those things. Yeah. And then as I got older, I guess I started to have more self-awareness when, you know, I was quite developed for my age and a lot of older boys would probably pay me attention. I wasn't really, you kind of come into yourself and you're like, people are looking at me like, this (laughs) is really weird. And then, and then you realize you're taller than everybody else. You're not the average. um, And all you want to do is be like everybody else when you're a teenager. And only then you kind of realize, you know, your uniqueness is what is more valuable than anything else. Mm. And trying to mold into everybody is boring. Um, Did did you realize that or were you trying to mold yourself into everyone? The thing that got me out of that mindset was because I had hobbies and I would stay long hours in the art room because I loved creating art and music. Mm. I played the violin. So I was a part of different groups. So I knew I got my validation in those spaces. So I didn't need it from being out and hanging out with my mates because at the end of the day, I'll go back because I've got you know, grades to my violin grade to prepare for and an art exam to do. And they were fun for me. And so I was able to kind of take off the pressure because of that. But, and then I went on and kind of had really great body confidence. Um, But I think my confidence dropped when I became a model, ironically. Oh, really? Okay. Because you are pretty much up against a lineup of, beautiful women that spend their lives nourishing not nourishing like focusing on their appearance Mm. which is absurd because the majority of us don't have time for that yeah exactly and i who even if you did have all the time in the world i don't think i'd want to put all my attention on the way i looked so that was hard i was living in new york and didn't really i didn't have any money i was broke um because i was just a new model not really working because no one knew who I was and didn't have time to try and buy expensive creams or go for facials Mm. and all of that. So I think that's when, yeah, my body confidence started to drop. And then when I left New York, I think it was comparison as well. Being in New York, it was all the kind of you're not good enough because my hair wasn't thick enough. My skin wasn't smooth enough. My, you know, my body wasn't whatever enough. I was just never enough. And I think comparison can eat you away. Yeah. And that was the first time I actually started to compare myself because I was forced to, because I was a model. Mm. And that was my job to constantly go into rooms and hope I get the job by, you know, I was fighting for it because of my appearance. Yeah. And what, what, what then like is the kind of feeling like when you step into that room and straight away you're comparing yourself to everyone else. Like what, what feelings are there within you that kind of come up in that situation? I think the kind of obvious of I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. Um, it just, I think it taps into your inner critic, like the, the, the thing that you go to, mm. which might be different from, for you, but it's whatever your, your blind spot, your weakness is, the thing that will always flag up 
yeah. the most. So I don't know, maybe I'll be like, oh, I'm too fat or I'm too tall or I'm not tall enough. Um, so it would always hit my my weak spot of whatever I felt. Um, and then and then I just had to start to sit myself down and have a word for myself yeah, yeah. and be like, that's not it. Yeah. That's not that's not all you're worth. Um, and when you're in those spaces as well, you can kind of think that, I mean, it was my job, right? So if I wasn't getting the job, I couldn't pay my rent. So I was a bit more desperate than the average person. Yeah. Um, because I guess modeling was my job, but yeah, I think you also then don't, you know, I'm, I think I'm quite a chatty person, yeah. quite confident. Yeah. I can get along with pretty much anybody. But in those rooms, you shut down a little bit. You speak a little more quiet. You kind of shrink in your space. Mm. And you aren't able to express the full range of who you are because you already feel defeated. Yeah. And how, how do you work through that then? Because like, I find there, there are situations and environments that I've been in where you kind of regress like into yourself. You become mm. more introverted and you kind of go into your shell. Mm. So how did you work through that so that when you were in those rooms you could be as much of yourself mm. as possible god it was hard i remember i because i was new to the city i only knew one other girl and i was like i said i had no money so i remember getting a pass to the new york library yeah and i would spend some afternoons in the library reading and it's so weird i used to read books about like what is the um like science books about the scientific uh conclusion of beauty yeah. like what what does it mean like why are we so um like drawn to beautiful things like, i wanted to understand the, the psychology behind mm. what made people believe pe other beautiful people were more superior so i'd really kind of get into that um mm. and then i i just felt so disconnected I think that's what it was and I could recognize it I wasn't feeling fulfilled so I then I started a clothing line yeah because I took control and was like right I need to retain some of this control back rather than waiting for these casting directors to say I'm good enough to work for them and getting signed off yeah I'll just create my own bloody clothing line and I'll model yeah that and show them so you know I kind of came at it from like an activist standpoint and then it got too much and I was like I'm just gonna leave yeah. I always think you need to just take yourself out of the situation that you're not happy in. Even if it feels like what I would call the golden handcuff sometimes, yeah. because you feel like it's a great opportunity. You've got a whole, um, you know, your identity is attached to maybe this job role, but if it's not good for your mental health, step out. Mm. And I literally left New York and I felt like I'd, I was only a year into my three year visa. I'd spent a lot of money to be there, took a massive risk and I felt like I was throwing it all away really quickly and I was weak and was giving up too soon, but I had to listen to my he my mental health and say, this isn't an environment that's going to let me flourish. So why am I trying to push it to happen when yeah. I could just do it in another space? Like I went to some like local meetups there and there was this poet that I met and he was from New York and he was like, I've, ne I've not cracked New York yet. I need to crack New York. And I was like, but he really wanted to come to Europe. Mm. And I was like, you've been trying to hustle for over 10 years in New York and it's not working for you. Just leave yeah. and see what happens elsewhere. You can always come back. Exactly. And I'm not saying give up and yeah. be defeatist at all. I'm saying 
don't feel forced to stay in an environment that's maybe not ready for you at that time. Exactly. Um, be put, set yourself up for success and be in spaces that you can be successful in. Um, cause it's hard otherwise. Yeah. It's hard. You can get caught in it so easily, isn't it? It's like, once you, like you said, like once you start to identify with that one thing, like the poet, for example, he's identified with being this poet and breaking New York. It's mm. like, you feel like if you do step out of it, you've, you've lost, you've, yeah. you've, you've become a failure within yourself. Yeah. You've, you're not, you're not as good as you thought, but it's like, actually, if you step out of it and take maybe a different approach mm. or, you know, look at things with a different perspective yeah. or whatever it may be, like you could, in, in another 10 years, he might be the biggest poet in I New know, York. And that's what I think. Like we're all in this race to get to this end goal, but I really believe the way you get there, it doesn't look like one thing. I have like a vision board and I've got my goal at the top, but, you know the way I connect those dots is mm. probably going to go back a five steps and then to the side yeah. and then up and down and it's going to be messy yeah but you will get there in the end exactly and if you are trying to force one direction and it's not working it's like you're just hitting a brick wall it's going to become your mind and your motivation is going to start just eating away at itself because it's going to become exhausting exactly to to ma maintain that like I can do it I can do it I can do it if you're never getting anywhere, exactly. so like step out and go into spaces where you are accepted by people. And I think that's why my body positive, my body confidence has been quite high because I would be around groups of people that I actually liked yeah, and yeah. that weren't maybe, you know, my group of friends at school were from different groups and they were people that I genuinely liked. Mm. They weren't people that, you know, I wasn't a part of like the coolest girl group that were like all the boys fancied that wasn't my group of girls my my girls were from you know the music room it was the one girl that played the piano and then my other mate who's head girl who was you know quite studious but really popular because everyone she was nice yeah and just I think that's you kind of got to find your tribe and you know I guess I always say look at who's in your boat mm. and then you'll be able to do the work you need to do whether that's at school or in the workplace. Um, yeah, not not trying to be idealistic with your attitude and just be like sail through life by being around yes people, but be around people that are genuinely supportive. Yeah, I think you, that looking at your circle and your support network is mm. massive because like if you're hanging around with people who only see things in a negative way or are constantly putting each other down even if it's banter or whatever it's like you're just putting yourself in that environment mm. and you're bringing it onto yourself whereas if you start to surround your people who are being more positive and you know doing wicked things and inspire you to do mm. wicked things and to change and adapt and to evolve mm. and grow and challenge yourself in good ways then you're going to start doing that in more areas of your life as well yeah. and it's th that network of people is such a, a powerful thing and you know like you were saying before that about the the destinations it's not not how you get somewhere it's mm. like the fact that you will get there in the end that matters mm. yeah. remind me of something i heard uh, a friend tell me he went to a course i can't remember exactly i can't remember what the course was to be honest but one of the analogies they use is like if it was a group of say like 30 people if you're on a desert island and there's another desert island across the water and you had to get there it was like i want each of you to name one way that you could get there but you can't say something that 
anyone else has yeah. already said. So the first person might be like, oh, I'd swim. Second person be like, oh, I'd build a boat and row it. Or third person might be, you know, fly a jetpack. The fourth one might be, I'd ride a shark or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the point of it was, is like, although the destination for all of us is the same, the journey there is different. Mm. There's more than one way to get there. And it's about how you get there and the fact that you've got there, mm. eventually not getting there. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Exactly. Or going through traditional routes that we've been told that we have to take in order to get there. Make it up. Exactly. Figure it out. Exactly. Like, I think more than ever before, we have accessibility to sidestep into different spaces. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I was going to be a doctor. I grew up thinking I'd be a child psychotherapist. And I'm not, but I'm kind of helping people still yeah. in a different way using a platform that I've created yeah. that is speaking to what, 270,000 people rather than one person in a therapy At a time, room. Yeah. So it's similar, but different. And my core of what my purpose in life still is coming through, but just mm. in maybe a more unconventional way. And they say like, I think a large percentage of jobs for the next generation haven't even been invented, invented yet. yet yeah which is wild. Yeah. Well, if you think like, so my, obviously I've got the podcast. Um, I put content out on social media. I work freelance in social media. Those jobs, none of that existed 10 years ago. No, That's crazy. That's wild, isn't it? You that's think so like crazy. even, I say even f five years ago, like podcasts exist, but not in the same no. space as they, you know, so it's like, you just never know. And it's like, a whole journey I've been on since starting the podcast is really like learning to go with the flow of mm. the, the way your life's going because you know we were talking before off mic mm -hmm. that you know it's great to have like a big goal mm -hmm. and like you know that's where you want to be and where you want to get to but you can't be so fixated on that because in the five years that you think you're going to get there by the time you yeah. get there it might be totally different mm -hmm. so focus on the things that are happening now adapt mm -hmm. to the things that have now be dynamic you know not saying you have to like constantly change yourself but be dynamic in what you're doing mm. because you don't know the opportunities that are going to open up to themselves yeah you know, like you said you, you wanted to be like a doctor and, and help patients one-on-one -on -one, and now mm. you're able to do that and it's like i think open, opening up to that yeah. flow of life is yeah i think you know. i i hear that as having a goal but being present yeah. in the moment so i have a mood board i'm like a massive manifesting yeah. believer what's on the mood board it's funny because it's it's so crazy actually i i have a mood board in my house but it's more of like a brainstorming mood board yeah, of like okay. things i want to achieve and like what i've got going on and it's for me to get it out of my head otherwise mm. my head will explode mm -hmm. but on my screensaver i don't have it now because i've just got a new phone but i had three goals okay. because i feel like again setting yourself up for success if you look at your phone however many times you do in the day and you've got those three goals as the first thing you see, see yeah. it's going to be in your brain yeah, yeah and yeah. so for me it was buy a house become an ambassador for un women no for the un and um have a million followers yeah and i put these like ridiculous goals there because i know i'm not going to get them like tomorrow but I know I should do something today that's going to work towards that bigger picture. Mm. And for me, it's like not about a million followers. It's what does that represent? It means that I'm constantly giving out content yeah. and talking to my followers and engaging with them. Anyway, I did buy a flat Sick. Well and I became an ambassador for UN Women. Amazing. And I don't have a million followers, but I am constantly churning out content. But out of all of those, which one is the most... 
important. Or which ones are the most important? Oh, those two, exactly. absolutely. So of the course. materialistic one is the a million followers because it yeah. makes you look good. But yeah. actually you're doing better f in the other areas for yourself and for everyone else, right? Yeah, and it's, again, it's, you know, I always believe everything takes longer and costs more money than you expect and can predict. Mm -hmm. And it did take a while to get there. Um, but every single day I was doing something that worked towards those goals. Yeah. Like, even if it was like researching house prices mm -hmm. or figuring out the house buying process. And yeah, and it got me there. And I think that's what, another little hack to achieve your goals. I yeah. think that has worked for me. Yeah. It's so funny because like, again, it's so easy to, to get into the comparison lane because even just saying that, I'm like thinking about myself. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't have a huge following on, on Instagram. I have like 5,000 followers, but it's like, I would never have even imagined that I could have got to a few thousand people following me or like, you know, just past 200,000 downloads on the podcast. Like, I would have been, I would have paid someone to, to say, right, I'll give you 10,000 downloads right at the beginning because I would have thought it was almost impossible. Mm. And it's just like, you have to, the more you're, I find the more you're true to yourself and the more you do the things that you love, the more it comes across. Mm. And the more you can do that, mm. the more everything comes back to you. And it works in like yeah. a cycle. Yeah, and it's, it's like, you can't, cycle. yeah, you can't fixate on the numbers. And it's so easy mm. to fall into the trap of like, oh, like, that podcast is doing really well or that person's got yeah. this amount of followers. Why have I only got this amount? And that takes energy away from you. Exactly. And you're also just like devaluing what you are doing. And yeah. the value is in, for me, in the podcast, the value is in the impact the podcast has on the listeners. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a million. It doesn't have to be a hundred million. It could just be 10 listeners. And if one of those people takes value from it, that's why I created the platform. Mm. It wasn't to have hundreds of thousands of listeners and downloads and millions of followers. Mm. Like, of course, all of that's great because it means that you're, it's all feeding back into itself, but I'm not doing mm. it for that. I'm doing it for the impact it can have on that one person who's listening. Yeah, that if you are interested in this conversation, then possibly somebody else yeah. that's feeling detached. Exactly. And if you can here. take something from the conversation and there might be something we've said today that someone's like, oh, that's great. Do you know what I should start? And they start to make a, a positive change within their mm -hmm. life because of that. Mm. Then that's, that's, that is the big tick. Yeah. The rest of it is bullshit. Yeah. Really. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? The, yeah, it's in, it's, the value is in A, being true to yourself and then B, how you can inspire and help other people yeah. to do the same for themselves yeah. and show I, up for I, themselves. I truly believe that we all have the capability of doing that, but often lack the know-how mm. because that's the biggest part yeah how do we tap into that resilience yeah. or you know um self-confidence yeah how do we do it because it's all great well and great you know everyone's like be confident be confident but tell me how exactly because that is the hardest part and i think um i always say start by being kinder <laughs> it sounds really underrated but kindness is the biggest thing and then giving yourself permission yeah. to mess up and to not get it right and to figure it out um to be tired to be irritable give yourself permission it's cool fine today's that kind of day mm. tomorrow is a different one we'll approach it again like exactly. it's, yeah even going. like i know people have like write messages to themselves on their mirror in their bathroom they might just say you are amazing you are yeah you know 
look how great your smile is or whatever yeah you know i mean, mean just my, like... my ocd's off the scale <laughs> listen to that because i'm like lipstick on my mirror yeah, i'm yeah. like oh <laughs> that doesn't go with my decor and also yeah. i'm gonna want to wipe it yeah um but yes like i say set yourself up for success yeah. with those kind of things yeah. like for me on my laptop if you open it up it's got this picture of like an la skyline Sick. in like a house in the mountains because that's i want to relocate to la i'm currently working on my american visa to be out there and I look at that every day. It's again, it's something that's going into your subconscious. Mm. Um, the people, the f- you're an average of the five people you surround yourself with exactly. the most. Energy is contagious. Like mm. getting a bit meta here, but we are filled with energy that we have vibrations yeah. within us. Like our brains work off of electrical neurons connecting to the water in your body. Like that is magical mm, which is connected to everything outside of us exactly through nature through exactly the way the sun controls sorry but when somebody <laughs> says oh yeah i just got a vibe off that person that's not just a saying like something happened it's there thing, yeah. and so i that's you know you can go from like the lower end level of reading a book like the secret to the more advanced stuff which you know i'm not a specialist in but i'm somebody that definitely practices it and has seen the results Mm. of just tuning into what you want like a radio station and then becoming so um i guess having blinkers on and becoming so focused on your goal yeah and it doesn't have to be like to have a million pounds it could just be, I want to be happy. Mm. And so that would be changing your surroundings and toxic relationships around you, changing jobs. Yeah. And I think everyone has the capability of tapping into that. Yeah. And I think it's, like you said, it's, it's having those reminders in place, like talking about uh, about phones. Like my my background on my phone is, um, hold on, I got to unlock my phone first. It's, it's not recognizing my face. Woo. <laughs> is um, a reminder of, of peace. So I've got a giant Buddha statue mm. from Japan because that was one of my favorite places in Japan. And then my mm. actual lock screen is a a picture mm. that I took of I know where that is, yeah, Miyajima. Yeah. Of that Island. was the Yeah, that was the time in Japan where I felt most connected and present and just mm. just had a moment of pure clarity. Yeah. So I have those reminders. So every time I look at my phone, although I might not look at it to think that, it's there and I'm yeah. picking up on it. And you're like, I'm going to strive to re, I guess, relive those moments, that feeling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That, and that, again, it comes back to me, for me, like being present and doing, mm. you know, doing the things in the now. And it's like, those are reminders for me of, the feelings I had in those moments of clarity and the feelings I had with the people I was with in those mm. moments as well, you know? God, yeah, I love it. And in Japan, I remember going to that exact space and I bought some sake from like a local yeah. shop on Miyajima and it's filled with deers, yeah, right? Yeah. Deers that... Did you do the hike up the up the mountain? No, I didn't do that. We didn't uh, have enough time, but it, I can imagine it was sick. pretty that was It was actually the top of the mountain on the island is where I had the moment of just like, wow. Like we, we, so we- Oh wait, to go through the different gates. So no, so on Miyajima Island, you've got obviously the gate in the water, which is the picture on my phone. Behind that is like a a mountain, right? On the island. So we didn't know that. We just were going to see the the floating gate because it's famous. But we'd met some- um, Spanish girls the two days before we went who told us like if you go like you have to do the hike up um I think it's called Daisho Inn 
So there's a temple at the bottom, which you can walk around and check out. And then you follow a trail to the top of the mountain. So like six sounds wicked, we'll do it. <laughs> Not knowing what we're in for. So we've gone to the temple, amazing experience, like super zen, super peaceful. Again, yeah. you pick up on the vibrations yeah. of the peacefulness within the temple. We went and sat in, in a prayer ceremony with one of the, the monks who was doing his ceremony at the time. Again, you're picking up on all the vibrations. Then we started the trail up the mountain and we were told it's about an hour, hour and a half. What we didn't know is there's literally zero signage. So at no point you do you know how far from the top you are? Mm. So you just have to keep going until <laughs> like an hour and a half, two hours later, we reached the top of this mountain. And I just had this moment where like, I sat on top of a rock at the top of the mountain and was just looking over the island, the sea, the sky opened up, the sun came out. And I just sat there and I was just like, I could actually just stay here forever. And just, mm. it was just such a blissful like moment mm. full of just nothing but clarity and joy and love and mm. and that's why I have Super that content. Yeah, exactly and that's yeah. why I have that reminder there just to remind myself that that feeling exists I'm not saying yeah. that I don't feel that moment you know every now and then because I do but it's, it's nice to have the reminder of like yeah there's more to life than yeah. worrying about how many listeners you got how many followers yeah. you got how much money you're earning yeah. like you can feel that blissfulness in any moment and I think it's obviously easier in an environment like Japan yeah because you're mountains. removed from everything else yeah and being in London where it is a lot faster than it's a cosmopolitan city so you're moving a lot faster than the average person yeah. it's the capital of the UK so you're constantly around the buzz of the city life mm. so it is harder to tap into that but knowing that and recognizing that it exists yeah. and you like it exactly and it's something you're striving towards i think is valuable mm. and looking to looking in many ways looking for areas within my life where i can bring that in and that might just be through meditation or you know i might feel like that when i'm going for a workout in the gym i might mm. you know just be in that space and just remind myself of that like warm fuzzy feeling that mm. i had from it yeah so i think it's like yeah having those things like those little reminders is you just don't understand the power in it. The, the oh subconscious just taking stuff on you. Know? I, when I had really bad anxiety, I went to my first yoga class mm. and it was actually not far from here. It was called, it's Fierce Grace is the studio and it's an evening candlelit deep core yin class. Oh, wow. Super peaceful, extremely powerful. And because it was hot yoga, with minimal movement, you end up sweating ridiculously. So your clothing is drenched. You could wring it out. I looked like a hot mess. And I stepped out of that class at around 9.30 p.m. And just felt completely centered and at peace and calm. Amazing. And it was just through an hour workout. And I wouldn't even say it was a workout because it was more like stretching. Yeah. Um, well, yin yoga is very static, isn't it? Yeah. Very a lot static. of it was pretty much on the floor. We're in hip opener exercises um, a lot of leg stretching and I had not felt that sense of like stillness for a while I remember first getting in there being like quite irritated like <laughs> yeah. hurry up like this hour is going to be the slowest longest hour of my life <laughs> yeah. and then eventually when you just surrender to the teacher and the stretches and literally you're in positions where it's a stretch you could mm. get out of it at any point but they encourage you to sort of lean into it, not push yourself too far because you're going to hold this stretch for a while, but just sort of lean and sit in that uncomfortable space. Yeah. 
is hard mm. and it's so it's so small it's such a small thing it's not saying like jump out of an airplane or go for like the hardest interview of your life it's yeah. just staying in a still stretch position and a lot comes up some yeah. of the people and i have also experienced like welling up yeah, in yeah, yoga yeah. classes like feeling like you know they say you hold a lot of your emotions in your hips anyway but f- being in those uncomfortable stretches and feeling like something else was unlocked mm. which when you're in a habit you know my life like most people is super just fast mm. next thing next thing next thing dinner maybe kids bath bed <laughs> husband this this, this. Yeah. that's not my life but i can imagine that's yeah. quite relatable for a lot of people and then being in an hour dedicated to yourself dedicated to feeling things feeling through things mm. when do we ever do that for ourselves yeah we don't, we don't. and so i really value that class and um i haven't gone back in a while i need to i was like regular for six months um and then i moved house yeah and now uh, i'm in a new area and i and i'm like i need to go and find, find a yoga studio again. yeah because it's yeah. a part of my self-care co- toolkit like, that's yeah. what i say yoga is a part of it running for me even like just a 2k 5k is a part of it mm. um i'm sure meditation for you yeah, is probably a big, part of it yeah. and like knowing what is it in your toolkit yeah yeah like i always talk about i always get into routines and and self-care routines and toolkits as you put it because just it's just like for me i call them non-negotiables mm-hmm. because it's like they should they should be mm-hmm. because it's always the first thing that goes out the window when you're busy is your exercise routine your meditation routine mm-hmm. you know your healthy and it's always the first thing that goes but actually mm-hmm. it should be the other way around they should be the non-negotiables and everything else should fall yeah to the to the wayside if need be yeah self-care yeah I mean for me it's like it comes down to the simplest thing of like getting up having a shower making my bed Mm, like I feel like my life is set up if I've just done that it's the first task of the day completed you've already you've already achieved something just by making your bed and it sets your mind up for just achieving more things throughout the day and it sounds silly and I mean it's such a small thing and I don't ever feel like you know, I'm not attached to, oh my God, my life's going to crumble if I don't make my bed or if I don't have a shower. Like, okay, sometimes I don't, yeah. but it is my, I know for my mental health, it's a part of the day that's yeah. it's habitual yeah. and it makes everything else just feel a little bit more yeah. achievable. But you know, I also find that if you are in that place and I've been in that place where it's been very dark, it's been even hard to like think straight to, to want to get out of bed to mm. you know what I mean it's like it's a very hard place to be and you don't want to do anything you yeah. don't want to see anyone you don't you know just by getting out of bed and making your bed mm. like that feels so big yeah that feels so it's like I've done that I achieved yeah. that today and it's, it, it sounds small and it sounds silly but you have achieved that thing today mm. and that's all that matters that in that moment you have achieved that yeah and it's good to it's a good practice to do even if you're not in that dark place because it's like okay that's achievement number one for the day and you can go right what's next of course of course you can't underestimate those little little achievements when you're in those dark places that want to swallow you up Mm. and you think i just want to be more isolated and you shut people out exactly um and you know i think it's your brain playing tricks on you that's how i say like we everything we think we kind of naturally are just like that's the truth yeah but sometimes 
the truth in front of us isn't the reality of our situation. And I have only kind of, I had a few chats with different people that taught me about this, but sometimes it's taking, it's a questioning your mind. Yeah. And being like, that isn't me or that isn't the truth. So let's like delve into this a little bit more. I'm probably feeling, you know, like I want to be isolated and stuff because, you know, I've just gone through grief or mm. I've lost my job or, but it doesn't mean that I'm useless or I'm an antisocial person. I might've been a massive social person yeah. before. Um, so yeah, I think learning that your brain isn't always telling the truth yeah. is quite helpful. How, how do you na- navigate through that? Because I, I, the reason I've, I've found myself in a lot of dark places in my life is because I overthink a lot of stuff. Mm. So as an example, I was chatting to a mate the other day, similar conversation we were having earlier about content. And I was like, yeah, do you know what, man? Like, I want to start putting content out like this. And I want to start doing that. And I want to this. But then I was like, oh, but then I'm not sure. Like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know the best way to approach it. And he was like, man, you're just overthinking it. And I was like, yeah, but you need to know, like, what's the... Mm. And that, that's just a silly example, but that's happened in a lot of areas in my life. So how how have you navigated your way through the thinking to actually figuring out actually this is what it's needs to be done one. oh god i am a massive all my friends are like you're so deep you're just thinking too much about it but i feel like once i thought through things because i'm very um introspective mm. and i like contemplating because you're a pisces i'm a pisces <laughs> yeah water sign i'm very much an empath and i love just going for a walk and just contemplating life like it's one of my favorite things to do it's when it starts eating away at you uh, and that's when it becomes dangerous Mm. and I literally then have to just like I sometimes will just put my phone in another room or I'll go and move my body and get all the brain stuff out out of my head literally because my brain starts to hurt Mm. when I'm overthinking like my brain switches on at 10 (laughs) p.m and will not switch off till 3 a.m in the morning sometimes Mm. when I'm in this creative zone my to a point where I get a headache, but my body feels restless because my body hasn't used the physical energy, but my brain has been constantly churning. Yeah. Um, so I, so I think I do a few things. One of them would be, I start writing a list. Yeah. I write a list with a game plan so that I can start getting the things out of my head into a journal or into like a structure. Yeah. Um, and then I can start looking at what is helpful. All of this isn't helpful what's the pros and cons to whatever I want to do. It's really dependent upon what's in your mind, course, really. Yeah, yeah. If it's more business stuff, that's quite helpful. If it becomes relationships mm. and friendships that often you can be like, well, that happened and this happened and that was a great thing. That was a bad thing. And all the nuances in between, yeah. that can be completely confusing. Yeah. So I then will write, what is the truth? What is the actual things that are happening? Yeah. Not my interpretation or the feeling I got from that conversation. Yeah. What is actually the truth and yeah. sometimes again it's like your brain playing tricks on you making up stories it's but also but it on, on that note so to cut you off but on that note i think like the communication level in that situation with friends or a loved one or mm-hmm. is important because there's no reason why you can't work through that stuff 100%. with the person yeah. involved in that situation from a non-judgmental point of view yeah. it's different if you're going into it from a an angle of like pain or hurt or yeah. you, you you want to start pointing fingers like you have to go into it from a very neutral point of view it's hard to, it is it's very hard to detach your feelings i always like and this is literally only what i've learned in 
the last couple of years as the older I've got is to, I am quite like, I grew up very big romantic, very um, emotionally driven and passionate. But I've been able to kind of, through learning about boundaries, kind of pull the emotions out of it and be like, like you said, I love that word. It's a non-negotiable. These are my standards. And this is as much as I love you and as much as we're caught up or whatever it is or however invested I am, there's certain things that I now, I have to have my own back in these spaces. So I'm not going to let this slide. Yeah. And if you don't like it and we're not on the same page, then that's fine. Um, And I think that's like, I talk about having an inner child for a long time. It took me to kind of step out of um, the, I can do, I can get through anything kind of mindset of, I can get through whatever life throws at me, whatever relationship I'm in, whatever exactly. things I'm faced. But actually when you're, when I think of, thought of myself as having an inner child, I'm like, I wouldn't put my child through the certain things just to learn that they could get out the other end. Exactly. Set the bar, set the boundaries and say, yeah. actually I could do it, yeah. but I don't want to. Cause why would I put myself through certain pain? Um, and I think from talking about the idea of, what we were talking about back then it kind of made it for me it triggered the quote believe people when they show you who they are mm. rather than what they say and yes. getting confused by yeah all the different mixed sure. messages I got, just because i literally screenshot something the other day which mm. was basically exactly that hold on it was literally yesterday it's just there it says i don't trust words i trust vibes people can tell you anything but a vibe tells you everything yeah yeah i agree and because half of our brain is, you know, we might see someone and make an assumption, yeah. but everything else is, all the subconscious is working in the background. The exactly. way that person shifted on their seat to the kind of like small little crease in their smile yeah. to the way they look to you and the, the glance in their eye. Like your brain is doing a lot more workings out to, you know, instinctually to protect you yeah. that and, we don't even know about. And and not even your brain, but just like your body and the kind of uh, physics you know, like you were saying before, like the 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 the, the elect- electricity that's in your body, the, the pheromones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's just so much stuff that we just don't even take into consideration yeah. with energies and yeah. like it's just you have to. You, yeah. I feel like you have to feel you have to feel and go with the vibe of something mm. rather than just and trust yourself exactly. to read it. Yeah, read it because I think we're quite detached from our gut and our instinct and intuition 100%. that we don't. And, you know, I can say there's times where I've been spot on and times where I've completely, literally like pushed it to the bottom of my stomach. So I'm like, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. No, no, I think they're a great person. Or I think that job's for me. It feels right. Everything. I mean, it sounds right, but something in me knew it didn't feel right. Mm. And I think there was this Oprah podcast on one of, she has this great podcast called Soul Sundays. And sh- it's soul def- conversations, super soul super conversations, soul conversations. super soul conversations. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and one of them was talking about domestic, domestic violence. And I guess tuning into like your gut and yeah. intuition. And she said, if you don't listen to that intuition, when somebody talks to you aggressively or is, you know, makes you feel bad or, you know, all these small little things, they then will escalate to basically the universe punching you in the face physically and metaphorically Mm. that person will take it to it will aggressively expand and become something yeah horrible if you're you're not seeing the signs and taking action exactly and it's 
you know, again, I think coming back to learning how resilient you can be. Yeah, and your self-worth. That if you put the value in yourself, you can learn and and have the confidence to trust your gut, to trust your instincts. So you can then make informed decisions off of that. Yeah. I think class plays a big part in that as well, because if you're from a certain class, sometimes it can allow you to know that you have... Um, you know, you're, you have a valued opinion. Mm. You are entitled to freedom of speech. You are entitled to share whatever you think about and you feel. Um, whereas, and you know, you, you get that through the school systems, um, through private education. I don't think, you know, in my opinion of going through a state school, it was something we were encouraged to do, like yeah. have an opinion. You're just yeah. trying to crack on and get that Ofsted grade <laughs> most of the time. Um but I think there's a massive, you know, that plays a big part in developing your uh, confidence to know you have a space at the table. Um, but I think if you haven't got that from a school system or from your primary caregivers, aka your family, how, how do we, where do we learn it from? Yeah, exactly. Um, and how do we just teach those skills ourselves? Yeah. I think, again, that comes into play with like who you're surrounding yourself with mm-hmm. because you can find that within the people that you surround yourself with, if you're surrounding yourself with the right type of people. Mm, yeah. Because that that's a whole environment when it's within itself, yeah. especially in schools. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is arguably the hardest place to to find that sort of environment in a yeah. friendship circle because there's, there's so many like mini politics within a school, like, you know, yeah. as we all know that goes yeah. on. Yeah, but you just, I think, God, it's the hardest thing to do, I think now is being a, a teenager growing up mm. at the moment. But again take risks Mm. curate the way you would curate your instagram feed curate your social life yeah yeah and on that note then if we could go back in time Mm. and speak to a teenager version of yourself Mm. for everything that you've learned experienced the traveling Mm. you've done the work you've done the way your life has been dynamic and changed Mm. direction and everything what what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing from Mm. that very moment Okay. One thing would definitely be don't waste as much time. Like don't stick out things as long as you did. Mm. Like call it quit. I mean, you know, I don't look at anything as something I'd want to change because it's made me who I am. But if somebody was listening to this and felt like they were longing out a terrible job or longing out a relationship that ended a year ago, like end it Mm. and move on. Like take that risk, cut that tie. And if you feel it in your gut and you've worked through it and you feel like this is the end, just, you know, take the jump because it's quite scary. We're risk avoidant, most of us. And I know I definitely have been. And so, yeah, I think for me, it's don't waste as much time as you did. And value yourself higher. Mm. I think there's probably times where I haven't realized, recognized my self-worth as much as I do now. Like I really, I like myself now. Like I like spending time by myself and I like who I am. Like I often think if you took yourself out on a date, would you like who's sitting opposite mm, that you? That's good, yeah. And I think I'm a, I'm a kind of nice human being. Yeah. Um, so recognize that and value yourself a bit more. Um, yeah, and I guess to similar to the previous two, it would be 
to have faith in your integrity. Um, for a long time, I know what my values and morals are. Mm. And, and I was reluctant to ever shift them, to shift into spaces. But I would question it because I'd be like, it would be so much easier if I just sold out in this space or was a model that was all about her appearance yeah. and rather and like quieten my voice. And that bugged me for years because I was like, damn, why do I, why am I trying to push against something that people don't care what you have to say, but have faith in who you are exactly, and your integrity because it will pay off in the long well, run. I think, you know, we touched on it earlier. That's where your real value is. Your, mm. your value isn't in how you look. Mm. You know, your value is in what is beyond that, what's behind that, what's deep mm. rooted in you. Like that's your value, that's your worth. Mm. I think that's a really important message, that last one there. It's yeah. really sick. Um, so I've got two final questions for you, which I asked, that's, that's also one question I asked to everyone. Okay. But two final questions I asked to everyone that comes on the podcast. So the first one is Dreams Diseases, obviously named the podcast. Love the name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> well, good. Because how would you, what would your definition of the dreamer's disease be? Not uh, the podcast, but the phrase. The, the phrase. Yeah. Okay. My definition of dream. So initially when I heard it, it was so interesting for me because I think sometimes it can be, I'll give you the literal thought yeah, 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 yeah. and then I'll give you my interpretation. So I think the literal thought is sometimes we can get so caught up in our heads that it can eat away our own dreams and mm. we then end up not making any moves because we're stuck um but the way i often think of things tends to be a bit more positive than most people i don't know why but i kind of like to see the, the silver cloud the silver lining on every cloud and i think a dreamer's disease is also its biggest gift mm. because you have the ability to dream and dreams are a part of a virtuous circle of being able to create a thought and then potentially put it into action. Yeah. And if that's something that you constantly do, then you might think of it as a disease or you could think of it as um, a talent and a yeah. skill that's actually extremely valuable. Um, and I guess it's like switching pain into possibility. Mm. You know, I, I would see that as kind of a definition for yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's amazing because that's literally my two the two ends of what dreams these eyes i explain it very similarly is one is the disease of dreaming is what stops us from taking action because we're too caught up dreaming about the thing and not mm. taking action on it but then on the flip side is people who are out there living their dreams are addicted to that and they continue to do mm, it so it's like go. yeah i was spot on the two book the two <laughs> book ends of it but you know we've got to find that magical space yeah. that works in both ends because without the dream you don't get the exactly <laughs> the disease sounds horrible when you put it like that but you know what i mean you don't get the it's addiction. great onomatopoeia though, yeah so <laughs> exactly um and then final question is what does happiness mean to you happiness means to me you know happiness is the feeling that i got yesterday mm. it was my niece's 18th birthday and i'm around my family having dinner and i've got five conversations happening across the table <laughs> because everyone's talking to each other and over each other and happiness is my shoulders relaxing, my breath slowing down, not talking about the things that I identify with, e.g. like modeling or social media. It's just being me mm. in a space and feeling 
complete contentment and not wanting to leave. Yes. And not wanting to be anywhere else other than there with my family. And that for me is happiness moments that replicate that feeling. Amazing. It's Mm. beautiful. Um, Well, look, thanks for being here and for sharing so many gems because it's been, it's been great. Um, Before we sign out, can you let people know where they can keep up to date with you online, Mm -hmm. where they can find anything you want to plug or shout about? Cool. Um, you can follow me. I'm predominantly on Instagram, which is at Jada Cesar, J-A-D-A-S-E-Z-E-R. You can tweet me at Jada Cesar, or you can go and actually check out my podcast Wee. called Unsubscribe, which is talking about unsubscribing from all of the different narratives and ways that we are told we should be Ooh. through listening to other inspiring women's stories oh that sounds amazing mm. definitely check that out but yeah look thank you it's been incredible oh, i really appreciate it thanks for having me man no worries. Thank bye you. so there we have it guys that was jada cesar and her story and her incredible gems and incredible energy i really hope that you enjoyed this episode i definitely definitely did and yeah i just felt, i just felt good and happy and vibey after that so it was amazing to have that conversation and if you've really taken something from this episode and you know someone who is on your mind right now that you think would also benefit from hearing it then be sure to send them the link send them the screenshot whatever it is because it's important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and the messages of the podcast And I started this podcast to help inspire positive change. And you can also be a part of that by sharing the love with someone you know. And as ever, you can hit me up on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. You can connect with me there. You can give me a shout. You can say hello. You can ask me questions. You can tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Whatever it is you like, you will find me on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. But for now, thank you for listening. And I will see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.